this is your first time, perhaps you're just here wanting to check things out, we just want to say a massive welcome to you guys. It's great that you're here. And you know, if you don't know me, my name is Nathan. I've been coming to this church now for a number of years, and I'm married to my wife, Megan. We've been married now almost three years. And we have the honor privilege that we get to do some youth in YA, and the guys had a great time at Rock Nations this weekend. But you know what I've learned about this church in my time that I've been here so far is that this church isn't just church on a Sunday. This church is a home throughout the week. And this church is not just friends. We do make friends, but these friends have turned into family. And today, I just really hope that you catch a glimpse of that that Liverpool One Church really is about everyone. And you know, we are currently in our third part of our current series, Summer Playlist, and I get to bring this message to you today for a few minutes. But you know, if you don't know me, you don't know my story and my background, I actually grew up on a farm in Ireland, right? If you're trying to work out the accent, that's kind of what it is. It's a little bit American, but that's okay. I'll explain that later on. But I grew up in a really rural farm in Ireland, literally in the middle of nowhere. And if you're an only child like me, you'll kind of know that you have to try and keep yourself entertained in some kind of way. And I'll never forget this one summer. I was 15, 16. It was a Sunday afternoon. My dad had just left, and it was me and Granny Rutledge. And Granny and me were, weren't really quite sure who was looking after who, but that was okay. We just kind of rolled with it. She was watching Emmerdale Omnibus, catching up on all the soaps, and I was just chilling, you know, doing absolutely nothing. When all of a sudden it happened, this bizarre noise. It's a bird noise if you try to figure that out. But she got up. I mean, I've never seen my grandmother get so angry so fast. And she got up and her face just went red. And she's like, those blasted birds, they're back. And I'm like, Granny, what do you mean? Them birds are back and they're pecking away at my apples in the orchard. And I'm like, what? Sit down, have a cup of tea, it's going to be fine, let's just relax. I was worried because she had high blood pressure, and I thought, well, this is going to go wrong. She's a heart attack over these birds, but she storms up over across the room, right to the wall, and for whatever reason, she put her hand behind a picture and pulled out a three-inch key. And I'm like, Granny, are you okay? Are you sure you don't want to sit down and have a cup of tea? She's like, no, these birds, that's it, I've had enough, and today is her only opportunity because your dad is away. My dad was an avid bird watcher. He absolutely loved birds. And today is the day that we're going to destroy these birds once and for all. She had a real vendetta against these birds and these apples because you see, every single summer in our local village, there was a bake-off. And for the last two years, she had won this bake-off with Granny Rutledge's famous apple pancakes. Who knows that grandmothers right are the best bakers ever, right? So anyway, she storms off. And I'm like, oh no, I've got to follow her. I've got to see what she's, make sure she's okay. And she's muttering under her voice, these birds are going to get it, these birds are going to get it. And I'm like, Granny, let's just relax, let's calm down. And we get into the utility room, right? And she has this key, and she opens a bit of a cabinet. And then all of a sudden, she's rustling and bustling, and she pulls out and places in my hand a shotgun. <laughs> a 12-gauge shotgun, I kid you not. And I was like, whoa, Granny, let's just calm down a minute. Like, are you sure this is a good idea? This is Uncle David's gun. And he said, under no circumstances, I'd ever to use this gun without him being there. And if you haven't realized by now, my grandmother, well, she wasn't your typical, innocent, sweet, gentle grandmother. She was more like, an art, like a general in an army. And I just had to kind of go along what she said. And she was like, well, who do you thought taught him how to shoot? And I was like, ah, 
Good point. Okay, I'm not going to argue. So there we are on our way down to the orchard, and she's coaching me. It's really funny. She's like, make sure you have a tight grip of the forearm. Make sure the butt of the gun is right, nice and tight into your shoulder. And make sure that when that bird comes across you, you line up the sight, you squeeze the trigger, and you blow her to kingdom come. And I was like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. I was worried. I was petrified. I was shaking. And then we got on a place to hide, and she said, here, here they come, here they come. Go, go, go. And then all of a sudden, here I am, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm shaking, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. And the next thing, bang. And I mean, it was the biggest bang I have ever heard in my entire life. There was smoke, there was flames. I didn't know what had happened. I was like, wow, what was that? And I look around. And she's gone. I mean, I've never seen her move so fast. And I'm running after her. I'm like, Granny, Granny, are you okay? Did you get hurt? And she's like, get out of there. And I'm like, okay. And we get to a safe distance. Now, all of a sudden, she's got her hands in her head. And she's like, oh, Nathan, what have you done? What have you done? I'm like, what do you mean, what have I done? I don't know. What have I done? And she's like, do you not see? And I realize it dawned on me in my attempt to hit the bird, which, by the way, no birds were harmed in the making of Granny Rutledge's apple pancakes. But in my attempt to hit the bird, I accidentally hit, would you believe, an electric line for the whole village. The whole, part, the whole village was without power for like that whole day and that whole afternoon. But she said this one thing to me, this one thing that I'll never forget. And she said this at the time. She snatched the gun off me and she said, you can't handle it. You can't handle it. It's dangerous and you're not prepared. And you know, isn't it funny how times in our life, we can find ourselves just not being prepared. We're not prepared or equipped. We don't have the experience or the knowledge to overcome the obstacle, the issue, whatever that is, the challenge. We just don't know how to handle it. And today, in the time I have left, I want to answer this question. It's a tension we all face. And I think if we get the answer to the question, I think we'll be so much further on. And the question is simply this. How do you handle life's challenges? How do you handle life's challenges? And life's challenges, if you've ever noticed, will always lead to key decisions. And these decisions, if not made properly, may often lead to a negative byproduct. And I know I've, I've been there, but maybe for you, you're here today, and maybe you're trying to think right now, what could that be for me? Maybe you can think of a giant or an issue in your life, one that you're trying to work through. But maybe for you right now, it's something like comparison or people-pleasing, right? You're on Instagram, scrolling through the photos and all the posts, and you're looking at someone's holiday photo, and you're comparing it to someone else's. Or you're commenting, and you're liking on someone's post just to try and please that person. Comparison, people-pleasing, it robs you of your joy. It's a real thing we face, we come up against. What about this one? What about insecurity or control? Right? You're that person that likes to have the reins. You're that person that likes to be in control, and it really comes from a place of insecurity. These are real things we face real issues we come up against. What about this one, depression, right? That's a big thing in society, and that's a, a massive giant to overcome. These are real things that we deal with week in, week out, year in, year out. And there's another one, what about rejection or shame, right? You know you made that mistake one time, and things went so wrong, and now all of a sudden, you're rejected from that crowd, and now wherever we go, this cloud of shame just follows you, it just hangs over you, rejection, shame. We could talk about anger or addiction, right? These are real things that we struggle with as we just try to do life. We just have a short fuse, we get angry. 
There's many things that we can become addicted to right nowadays in society, and it's just so hard to break. You can't find a way through. What about fear of failure, right? You know, you tried that thing, that idea that just went so far wrong that you vowed to yourself, that's it. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to give up. Fear of failure. You see, all these things can lead to anxiety if you let them. And I see it to say that each of us probably have some sort of experience with some of these things. Maybe you know someone also. But can I just say that right now, if you're here and everything's great in your world and you're just perfect right now, that's fantastic, that's great. But can I just say that being prepared to come up against these things, these challenges, these issues, is one of the best things that you can do. To be prepared for the battle before it even comes. And these battles, they're psychological battles, right? They're in our mind and you've nobody to talk to. Nobody to listen, nobody to put an arm around you and say, hey, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Nobody to stand against. Maybe you feel like, I've had enough. You just want to give up, you want to give in, you want to throw in the towel, that's it. I can't handle this. I just can't handle this. And today, if that is you, can I just say that there is a hope in the darkness. There is a way through it. There is someone who can and will help you stand against it. And you know what, in the time I have left, I want to answer this question, how do you handle life's challenges? And today, I want us to try and lean in and listen, even if all of this is new for you, right? Maybe you find yourself here wondering how you ended up being here today, right? This is all new for you, it's kind of weird. Hey, that's okay, you have my permission to take what you want from this message, because this message, hopefully, you'll find some practical things that you can apply to your life, practical things that you can apply to make things a little easier, to make things a little better. So you have my permission to take what you want and leave the rest, but maybe, just maybe, you'll go away knowing something new. You'll have a fresh perspective, a new way of thinking. But hey, I want to jump into the, a story in the Bible, a really famous story. Many of you will know it, but it's a story of a guy. This guy is one of the big five characters in the Bible. He's actually mentioned 1,011 times. And after Jesus, he's actually the second most mentioned guy in the Bible. And today, we're going to look at the story of David. And the full story is found in 1 Samuel 16 and 17. You can go read it in your own time, but I want to try and catch us up on the backstory. So David has seven brothers, right? And his dad was called Jesse. And there was a man of God in those days called Samuel. He was a man of God, otherwise known as a prophet, right? And God said to Samuel, I need you to go to Jesse's house. I need you to line up all of his sons, and then I'm going to tell you who's going to be the next king of Israel. I'm going to tell you who to anoint the next king of Israel. So he rocks up to the house. He lines up all of his sons. And he goes through them one by one. He looks at them and th thinks to himself, not quite right, not quite right. And he goes through them all and he realizes, this is not right. Are, are you sure this is all your sons? And Jesse has a think for a moment. He's just like, oh, yeah, David. There is still the youngest, David. He's a shepherd out on the fields and he's tending the sheep. And that day, David was brought before Samuel. And he was anointed the next king of Israel. And the Bible says that he wasn't chosen by what he looked like on the outside, but he was chosen by what was in his heart. And that time, many people knew that God was with David. But you fast forward a few years, and all of you will probably know this story, this famous story in the Bible of David and Goliath. And if you don't, well, Goliath was this giant Philistine. In other words, he was the enemy of God's army of Israel, right? And this giant for 40 days, the Bible says, and he just strutted around in front of the whole army of Israel, strutting his stuff, saying, if any one of you, Israel, can defeat me, then guess what will be your slaves? 
But if you don't, guess what? You're going to be our slaves. And this went on for a long time, and the current king, Saul, just didn't know what to do. No one would step up to the plate. No one would fight this giant until, until David was sent by his father, Jesse, to go to the front lines to bring his brother some cheese buddies. And he arrives on the scene. He sees this giant for the first time, and he realizes, and I love his first reaction here. He goes, who is this giant anyway? I mean, who is he? Who did you think he is that he's allowed to defy the living armies of our God? And David was furious. And he went before Saul, and he was like, hey, Saul, what's the deal? What's happening? And Saul's just like, well, this giant, he's been going around for 40 days. We don't know what to do. No one will fight him. And David just said, I'll go. I'll fight him. He's just like, what? No. Saul was like, you can't fight this giant. He's a veteran warrior. He's like twice your size. He's been, he's been killing loads of people from our army. There's no way you can face up to this. But David persisted. That was his character. He persisted, and he told Saul of how he fought off the lions and the bears against his sheep, his preparation. And Saul said, all right, then, go and fight him, and may God be with you, because you'll probably need it. And then say, he said, well, hey, you know what, actually, David, before you go, I'm going to give you my armor, my helmet. I'm going to give you all these things, including a sword, just like this one, right? <laughs> and David would have picked up this sword. And you have to remember that this sword, he may never have seen a sword before, right? Because his brothers were the ones in the front lines. And he would have picked up the sword, and he would have, wow, the power. <laughs> wow, this is awesome. This is, this is what I need. But then he thought to himself, actually, it's a little heavy, if I'm honest. This is going to be hard to have a swing. It's also going to restrict me. I'm going to be a bit slow, like, running in there. And also, wow, actually, I just realized Goliath's sword is, like, twice the size, and it's going to mean that I'm going to have to get close enough, close enough for a sword. David realized who he was. He looked at it, even though it was really attractive, and he goes, Saul, do you know what? Nah, this isn't me. He protested. He's like, I can't go on these. And he gave back the sword and he picked up the slingshot, right? Very unlikely weapon if you think about it. But the slingshot is the complete opposite of the sword. It's light, which would have meant that he'd have been super agile going in there. It would have meant that he actually would have been very good at using this. Remember all the lions and the bears he scared off? It would have been really strategic. And also, this would have meant that he could have stood at a safe distance away from the giants. You see, David knew who he was. He knew who he was actually fighting, and he knew that sometimes faith looks a little crazy. Faith isn't always just taking a step, it's taking a leap sometimes. And David found himself that day in a very unlikely place, facing a giant he never seen coming, stood with nothing more than a, a slingshot on five stones, and as the giant snarled and laughed at little David, David declared, I have come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven. Today the Lord will conquer you and the whole world will know him and that he rescues his people. David knew this wasn't his battle. He knew he couldn't handle it on his own. He knew he couldn't stand against. And David had an attitude that said, hey, who can stand against my God? David ran towards the giant. You know how the story goes. He took that sling. He took that stone. He pulled it back. And he sent that sucker right out. There you go. Someone catch it. I'll need that for the six, so give it back to me later on. But he sent that stone, hit the giant square on on the forehead, and he hit the floor, and he went and he defeated Goliath. 
And today, Liverpool One Church, I believe there's a really valuable lesson to learn from this story. One that we might miss at first glance. It's a very common story, like I said before, but the character of David here, I think, is really important to look at. And there's a focus verse I have for us today. It's found in Ephesians 6, 13. It's going to come up on the screen behind me, but this, I think, captures who David was. This captures his very character. This captures what he was thinking throughout the whole process of these giants, these issues that he was currently faced with. And it reads like this. It says, be prepared. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. And today I've got three practical points, three things that I think we can learn from this story, this character of David. And I think it would really help us come over and conquer these issues, these battles we all face. And we too, like David, can overcome. The first point I have today is this, simple. Be prepared. Be prepared. You know, isn't it funny if you think back to the story of me and the shotgun about how unprepared I was? I mean, I was so unprepared, I was completely winging it. I didn't even know what I was doing. And if I'm honest, it was dangerous. I didn't even realize it. And you know, for many of us, it's hard, right? Because did you know in life that sometimes things can get, well, a little bit out of control? And maybe at some point in your life, maybe you've worked yourself into some debt, right? And now all of a sudden you're trying to get that mortgage, but you've missed that credit card payment, and now for whatever reason you just didn't get it. You have to be prepared. Or perhaps for you, you fail to put in some safe, safe boundaries with your new girl or that new guy. And now all of a sudden you're doing things you really didn't want to do. Now the whole relationship has sort of spiraled out of control. You have to be prepared. Or perhaps for you, it was when you were out with your friends in the weekend and you didn't really think too much beforehand about the amount of alcohol you were going to drink. And all of a sudden you've lost control and then drugs have come into play. And now you're just in a real mess. You have to be prepared. But maybe in your current circumstance, you just weren't prepared, whatever that is, and you find it difficult not to be joyful, you don't experience any peace in your life anymore, and anxiety just feels like it's just crept in, and it just feels like it's getting worse. In my life, I've experienced some of these things, but for me, at the age of 13, I lost my mother to cancer, and that was hard. I didn't know what to do. I felt the pain, I was confused, I didn't understand why, and at the time, I just threw out everything I knew about God and the so-called plan for my life. And I turned my back on God and against the church. I became angry, became really bitter. It took me a few years. But as years went past, I began to heal. As years went past, I began to find new perspective in it all. And you know what? I ended up coming over here to Liverpool for university. I ended up finding this church through a friend I found my faith again, and then I found new purpose in it all. I even met and married my wife as well, which is an extra bonus. But many of you will know, right, that the journey, it isn't easy. It's, it's far from it. And how many know that sometimes these things, these challenges that happen in everyday life, for your preparation for what's next, within every uncertainty, there is hidden possibility. My tests have become my lessons, just like David. Well, I'm fighting off those lions, those bears. I don't think he would have had the courage to stand. He didn't dread any challenge that lied ahead. Why? Because he remembered all the victories behind. He had an attitude that said, hey, who can stand against my God? 
And he had an attitude that said, hey, you know what? Today is the day I overcome. Christ is in me. I am enough. I can handle it. So be prepared. How? Do what David did. Choose the slingshot instead of the sword. You have to find faith in him. Find faith in him in order to be prepared. The second thing today is this. You, you can't handle it on your own. You can't handle it on your own. Could you imagine just for a moment, if you were in a situation, you knew you couldn't win, you knew you couldn't do the thing that you were trying to do, but all of a sudden, pride got in the way, and you just decided, I'm going to do it anyway. And you know, I'll never forget this one summer. We were finished summer camp in America, me and Megan, we were traveling in Miami, which was great fun. We seen a friend. And this one night, we were chilling in our friend's living room, watching Netflix, just hanging out. And all of a sudden, his crazy stepdad came down into the room, right? And his name was Bob. And Bob, he was fully armed to the tooth, I kid you not. He had an AK-47, he had a numerous handguns, and he even had a military-grade shotgun. He probably had a few grenades as well, I don't know. And he turned to us and he goes, hey, y'all, you want to go down to the shooting range? And we're like, yeah, that sounds like fun. We can't do that in the UK. Let's, let's go. So we're down there and we're having a bit of a go. I kind of got over the whole catastrophe that happened in my early childhood by then, so it was all good. And we're there and we're having a go. And then Megan turns to me and she goes, I've never done this before. I would love to have a go. And I'm like, all right, babe. You go for it. Which gun? You want to start off with a little handgun? And she goes, no, give me the big military grid shotgun. Give me it. And I was like, are you sure? She said, yeah, I want, I, I want the big one. Let's get a photo on Instagram, right? That's what we have to do. And I'm like, but make sure that the safety's on, and, and this is kind of how you hold it. In fact, does anybody want to see a photo of Megan in Miami? Here we go. Here she is, thinking she's one of Charlie's angels, getting ready, right? And what was really funny about this moment, I really wish I had a video instead of a photograph, because what happened next was just unheard of, unthought of. In this attempt to try and do this, the gun accidentally went off. And I don't know what it is with us Rutledges, but we have a tendency that when we try and shoot, we hit wires. Don't know why that is. But this time, it wasn't an electric wire. It was a wire that retrieved everyone's targets in the whole range. So now all of a sudden, you've got 14, 15 angry Americans with guns all looking at us. And Megan, she's terrified, and then over a loudspeaker, ma'am, put the gun down, put your hands behind your head, and don't move. And she's freaking out. And then this army commander comes in, this guy. And he, he looks at her and goes, you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine, but I'm really sorry. And he goes, where are you from? And she's like, the UK. And he goes, ah, that explains it. Y'all don't have guns in the UK. But this guy was great. This guy was awesome. This guy came in, he told her how to stand. He told her how to hold it. He told her how to aim. He told her how to shoot. And before too long, Megan was better than I was. But isn't it funny how at times in our life, we just try to handle that thing on our own, whatever it is. You, you try to keep it in. You, you, you try to cope with it yourself. When you tell nobody in fear of judgment, you don't know what you're doing, and it becomes dangerous really quick, just like Megan in the story. Maybe you feel right now that there's no other option there's no other way. There's no one except you that can deal with the issue. There's no one that can fight the battle. Can you imagine for a moment if David in the story went in to fight Goliath and pride would have got in the way and he would have picked up the sword instead of the slingshot? What happens if pride gets in the way? He would have been destroyed. One hit 
wouldn't that game over? But the more I read the story, the more I realize, in spite of all the facts, regardless of all the voices, David knew who he was. He was prepared, and he knew that God was actually fighting for him, and he knew he couldn't handle it on his own, so what did he do? He humbled himself, and he trusted in the one who had complete control. And look at what God did through David. So now you know, you just can't handle it on your own. There's no point even trying to. Don't kid yourself. Don't make the same mistake I did. You need someone that can and will handle it. You need to have an attitude that realizes, I can't handle this on my own. So what do you have to do? Again, do what David did. You have to rely and focus on him. But today, Liverpool One Church, whoever you are, every single one of us in here, we have a choice to make, a decision, which leads me to my third and my final point today. You have to decide who's gonna fight the battle. You have to decide who's gonna fight the battle. And did you know uh, each new day will bring a brand new blessing, but often with that will come a brand new battle? Maybe you've tried to fight these battles yourself. Maybe you can think of a time where you've tried to handle it yourself and you've taken the weight, you've taken the burden, you've taken the strain, and now all of a sudden you're trying to carry it all, but you're a breaking point. The voices in your head say you're not enough. They say you'll never measure up. And you wonder, oh, how much more can I take? You're a breaking point, you're tired, you just wanna break. And these choices make you anxious if you don't decide who's gonna fight. And I wanna show you something. One of the root causes of anxiety, and trust me, I know, I've experienced it, I've been there, I've done it and learned from it. But I let my blessings become a burden. In fact, this message I'm doing today, I did it way back in October for our youth and young adults at Fuse. And afterwards, Luke sat me down, our senior pastor, and he was like, hey, that was, that was great. I would love you to do that message on a Sunday coming up in February, which is like six months ago. And for whatever reason, I was like, oh, wow, what an honor, what a privilege. Yeah, I'll give him a best shot. But as the weeks led up to the Sunday, I lost sight of the truth of the message. I became contained with anxiety. Public speaking is my biggest fear by a mile. And the Friday before, he was like, hey, you okay? You ready for Sunday? You excited? And I was like, the worst text ever. It was like, no, don't want the weekend to come. Just don't want to do this. This is terrifying. I would love to have seen his reaction when we read that text, but he stepped in and he took the weight off. He took the burden off. He did the Sunday, no dramas. And six months went past, and here we are today doing the message that was meant to do six months ago. The point is this. How many times do we give in to these things, these issues, these giants, these struggles we're trying to face and overcome? We forget the simple truth that if we don't rely on Him, how can we overcome this? And for a long time throughout that whole process, I did what most of us would do. I threw a pity party for Nathan. <sighs> rubbish, rubbish. But you know what? It took me a long time to realize that I was the problem. I was the problem. And isn't it funny how nowadays in culture we have an I culture? I can't do this. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough to do that. Who am I? Or it could be on the other end of the spectrum. I'm amazing. Look at me. I'm fantastic. I, I, I. It's tiring. Let me tell you that I is a problem with anxiety. It's one of the root causes. Put the word up on the screen. Notice what's right there in the middle of the word. 
I. I. See, the enemy has a way of distracting you from the root cause. Everyone was telling me, Nathan, it's your circumstances. It's the changes in your world right now that's causing this anxiety. But I knew different. And you want to know what I learned about anxiety and how to overcome it, how to deal with the eye? It's found in Scripture. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It reads like this. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's a well-known piece of scripture. What's really funny in our modern age, we, 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 we try to break up scripture with chapters and verses, but the original Greek translation doesn't really like that at all. It's a slight difference. It reads like this. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Watch this. Comma. Comma. Not a full stop. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, the first verse has a direct link to the second. In other words, the promise in the second verse is unlocked by the action we have to take in the first verse. It's a choice. It's a decision. And what's even more interesting is it points to the fact that if you want to cast your anxiety on him, you have to humble yourself first under his mighty hand. Now let me ask you, what is the opposite of humility? It's pride. Put the word up on the screen. Notice what's right there in the middle again. I. Pride is unexpectedly the root cause of anxiety. And if you try to fight, instead of letting God fight, you will feel just like me. Let me ask you the question again. Who are you going to let fight the battle? See, David in the story, he decided who was fighting from the very start. If you remember, he came to the giants and he declared, I have come to you in the name of the Lord. His eyes were on the throne. He trusted in the one who had complete control. He stood against the giant with God's help and he overcame. And look at what God did through David. So you see what happens when you decide to let God fight? It's simple. If you let him take hold of that issue, that giant in your world, you will overcome. You will overcome and you will experience freedom. And I mean, this freedom is like no other. The simple truth is this. You have to understand that he stands and not you. And that's it. So what if? What if we got a hold of these three principles? What do you think would change? What do you think would become better, easier in our lives? If we understood that, hey, we have to be prepared. How? Find faith in Him. You have to understand that you, you can't go it alone. Don't even try to. You can't handle that thing on your own. You need to rely and, and focus on Him. You have to decide who's going to fight the battle because He stands, not you. And you will overcome and you will experience freedom through Him. You see, church, it's all in Him, on Him, and through Him. And today... I think we've got an answer to the question. It's him. We've got to give it to God. Whatever that thing is, whatever that looks like, I really hope that today we make the wise decision just to not go alone. If you find that faith in him, if we rely and we focus on him, we will experience this freedom that sets us free from everything else, all of these anxieties, all these weights, all these burdens. But listen, you have to give him permission to take it. And I believe that today, chains of captivity all over this place will be broken. 
I believe that today God's going to step in. And how do I know that? Well, I trust the one who's in complete control. He is greater. He is ready. He is here. His arms are wide open. He loves you. You're his son or your daughter. He's going to set you free. He's going to give you peace so that today you might understand that with him, you can confidently say, what I need, God's got it. You're stronger, you're better. It's settled, I'm ready. I'm focused, I'm hopeful, no hiding. I'm ready, resilient, dependent. I know he'll deliver. I'm strong, courageous. The one who is able can do it all. I can handle it. Well, hey church, time is gone. Please stand to your feet.